This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. When you think of the temple in ancient Jerusalem, do you envision a hospital? There was more healing going on in the temple than we realize, and there's plenty of evidence of it in the Bible. Steve Seifkin leads us through scriptural references that show us how the Almighty intended us to heal each other. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Well, Shabbat Shalom, Torah fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. Was the incense in the temple just to smell nice or did it have healing properties? What about the oils and the other things we read about in the Torah? Well, Steve Seifkin shows us how the ancient Israelite priesthood was actually a version of today's CDC and it all centered around the temple. The Holy Hospital is episode two of five tonight in our series with Steve Seifkin, The Temple System. Now, our calendar also comes from what went on in the temple and we continue that today with the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. There you see it there. We are on the third Shabbat of the fourth month. And that means it is summertime. And I know our CEO, Ted Clayton, has something to say about that. Welcome, Ted. Well, thanks, Scott. And welcome, everyone, to Shabbat Night Live. We are so glad that you're here with us today. So summertime, uh, well, first of all, a new month. We have a, a new love gift. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's get into that first. How about That's that? Great. That's so great. So we have a brand new love gift here for July. And uh, Steve Seifkin actually is doing the love gift in addition to the teacher. Now. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Seifkin is just one of those uh, men of God that are continuing to do the work of Michael. And what'd you do? Drop the thing? I dropped it. I was so excited. I fumbled it. It's okay. Keep going. But he did a great job uh, with this love gift teaching. Ladies and gentlemen, you really need to get this. It is. It's a really good question. Where does communion come from? Good question. So Steve is actually, I love him. He's from California. One of these yeah. guys that was just suggested by one of our partners. Yeah. And we thought, sure, why not? Have him on. You know, not really a big audience on YouTube or anything, but we have him here, and he's like, wow, is this ever great stuff? And so he says, you know, uh, that it, it, communion is not something new uh, that our Messiah invented, nor is communion the Passover. So what is it? Well, yeah, good question. What is it? Great. Where does it come from? So he has extra biblical uh, texts, some ancient cultures, and, and just scripture references that show us where communion comes from and why we do it. It's a really great question answered by Steve on this, and it's a really good uh, love gift to give to someone else, too, who is maybe sitting in the pews going, is there something more than this? I mean, what am I missing in life? So great teaching. Absolutely. And ladies and gentlemen, that's for your love gift of $50 or more uh, in the month of July. And what else do we have? So Scott? this is something we've never done before. This is a tote bag and a stainless steel water bottle. And you know how we've always had the name of Yehovah oh, and from the Aleppo Codex, yeah, right? Yeah. Now we have Yeshua and his name in Hebrew. So How wonderful. Isn't that cool? Yeah, so this was a great idea from our graphics department. So they've put this together, uh, a matching tote bag and a water bottle. Great for Shabbat, obviously, obviously. and anywhere else you want to go. So uh, that is for a gift of $100 or more. You get that and the teaching. And you know what, Scott? I could see us using this uh, if you go camping. 
uh, or oh, yeah. go hiking. Mm -hmm. uh, you could put food in this and have your water bottle up there, or you could uh, just store anything you want to store in the bag. Yeah. Plus, once again, ladies and gentlemen, as with our love gifts, we want people to be able to ask the question, Yeshua, what is that? Yeah. Who is that? And you be able to give your testimony and let people know that this is a very important uh this is a very important word, and you need to know about it. And you're able to, to give that testimony and be able to, um, uh, to, to let people know about your faith. And that's one, one of the big things Michael wanted us to do. Exactly. Now, we have something over here. This is a sailboat uh, sculpture. This is the gift for $300 or more. You'll get all of this. Right. And uh, there's a, what do you say, Ted? There's a, a scripture from what? There is a scripture from Proverbs 3, 5 through oh. 6, and it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Ladies and gentlemen, this is just absolutely beautiful. This is a beautiful, you know, I could just imagine the, the boat on the Sea of Galilee and, and Yeshua uh, guiding in this boat. And once again, a great item to share your faith with and to talk about the King of Kings right here. Indeed. Now you might say, okay, well, great stuff. Why do you guys always talk about this love gift thing? You know, yeah. Well, the reason is because this whole thing and, and the way we need to bring things out uh, on you know, YouTube and other places, mm -hmm. it takes money to do that. Yes. And uh, that's why, Ted, I wanted you to have you, have you here today because in summertime, we go on vacation and oops, we forget to support our favorite ministries. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we can't true. forget that, so. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, listen, we just, we really want to thank you, number one, for your support of Michael and the ministry here. You know, we couldn't do this without you, and you're such an important part of this ministry. Matter of fact, you're the integral part of this ministry for allowing us to be able to do what we do. You know, here at A Root Awakening, we have over 30 families that we support here with A Root Awakening. The, the people who are behind the scenes with the cameras, the, the partner services folks, the shipping. Uh, we just have the greatest people in the world that work here with us. And Michael has always said to you when we were in the summertime that we live on the cutting edge of not only technology, but finances. And ladies and gentlemen, that's true. And this time of year, there are so many other things that people get involved with in things like my, uh, Scott was saying, uh, vacations, uh, doing other activities. And sometimes we forget uh, to support the ministries that feed us spiritually. Ladies and gentlemen, we need your help now more than ever. During the summertime, we call it the shortfall. Uh, because there's so many other things happening out there that rightfully so you get involved with. But please, we ask you to prayerfully remember a rude awakening in your giving this summer. We really do need it, ladies and gentlemen, because we're going to spread this gospel farther and further than we ever had. And with Michael's continued, Michael's continued improvement uh, from his stroke, we're even planning on doing more and more things. So please, prayerfully consider giving to A Root Awakening this year. We need your help, and we really would appreciate your giving. We know it's sacrificial. 
We understand that, and we thank you for it, and we, we just, we're just in awe of being partners with you here at A Root Awakening. And Ted, I'd like to just pray for our partners. There's some, of course, some yes. folks out here who can and some who can't because yeah. of situations that we all know what's going on sure. in the world. Absolutely. So I'd like to pray for them if that's okay. Let's do, okay. let's do. So why don't you pray with us? So Yehovah, we thank you for yes. this ministry. We thank you for the opportunity to work directly for you. Yes, we thank God. you for Michael who started this whole thing yes. and that he's getting better, he really thank is. You. Thank you. And uh, he's actually gonna be in the studio with us today, later today, Father, yeah. and we just thank you for that. And we thank you for our partners, Father. Mm -hmm. We thank you for those those who are able to give to this ministry, we pray that you would bless them richly. Yes. And for those who are having struggles, Father, we pray that you would mm. meet them at their, yes. at their need. Uh, Father, whatever they need, that you would answer them, show them the directions yes. to go, and just give them what they need to continue and to, to continue to serve you and to get ready for what's next coming in this crazy world. But we know that we can depend on you regardless. So yes. we thank you for that in Yeshua's name. Amen. Right. Amen. Thanks, Ted. Thank you, Scott. All right. Well, there was more healing going on in the temple than we realized, and there's plenty of evidence of it in the Bible. Steve Seifkin leads us through scriptural references that show us how the Almighty intended us to heal each other. The Kiddush with Michael is next. Stay with us. Communion was not something new that our Messiah invented, nor is communion the Passover. So what is it? The disciples ask the Messiah, where shall we go to prepare the Passover? The Passover. He's talking about the preparation day. So that's where communion is. That's what the Lord's Supper is, is the preparation day. Steve Stiefkin presents, Where Does Communion Come From? A step-by-step -step examination of ancient cultures, scripture references, an extra-biblical text that will give you a refreshing perspective on what communion is and what it's not. Where Does Communion Come From is our gift to thank you for supporting A Rude Awakening International. When you donate $50 to this ministry in July, we'll send you Where Does Communion Come From with Steve Seifkin on DVD or Blu-ray. Donate $100 and we'll send you Where Does Communion Come From? Plus a matching tote bag and stainless steel water bottle set bearing the name of Yeshua in both English and Hebrew. Donate $300 and we'll send you the teaching, the tote bag and stainless steel water bottle set, plus a tabletop sculpture of a sailboat, engraved with a scripture verse from Proverbs chapter three. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Get these exclusive thank you gifts when you make a donation to support A Rude Awakening International only in July. Call 888-766-3610 or get your gifts online with a donation at monthlylovegift.com. The Chronological Gospels Bible is changing lives all over the world putting everything the Messiah did in exact chronological order and explaining the behind-the-scenes truth of what the Messiah did, when He did it, and why. The timing of it all means everything. And now, the Chronological Gospels can be easier on your eyes. The larger print edition features 40% larger type, and every page appears exactly the same as the original so you can follow along with others who have the regular size version. 
The Chronological Gospel's larger print edition also has wider margins to write notes, and the premium quality paper means you can highlight without soaking through. Plus, the larger print edition lies flat, so you can teach without having to hold the book open. The Chronological Gospel's larger print edition is a big and beautiful coffee table book, measuring a full 12 inches tall and 9 inches wide. Study the Bible with clarity and ease. I love the size of this book. This is nine by 12. The paper is, is perfect because it doesn't bleed through when I write on it. I can mark it up and I always make notes in all my Bibles. Everything is the same place as it is on the smaller version and I can just stand back and I can teach from it and it's just, it's the perfect size. I pray thee, of whom speaks this prophet? Order the Chronological Gospels larger print edition by phone or online. You'll get 40% larger type than the original. Call 800-788-7887. That's 800-788-7887. Or get the Chronological Gospels Bible larger print edition online at arudawakening.tv slash large. For the past 20 years, I've lived in the land of Israel, and I've had many occasions to eat in the home of Orthodox Jews, and on Shabbat, as the two hollow loaves were brought out, representing the double portion of manna that fell from heaven, and that we would not need to be collecting manna the next day, but his provision is there for us. And as they said the blessing, Baruchatah, Adonai, Eloheinu melech ha'olam, homotzi lechem min haaretz. I, of course, know the Adonai is really Yehovah. I know that. And then as they took the cup and said, Baruch atah Yehovah, Adonai, Eloheinu melech ha'olam, barei pari hagafen, I would sit at that table and I would recognize and understand that what they are doing, this is what was done from the time that the Melech Zadik brought forth bread and wine to Abraham. And Yeshua said, this represents my body, which is broken for you. This cup represents the renewed covenant in my blood. As often as you do this, wherever you do it, you do it in remembrance of me. The remembrance of them are all around. And this is what the Almighty put in place for us to understand. And this is why Yeshua said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. We do this in remembrance of him. Shabbat Shalom. So when you were a kid, did you ever have your parents say, you know, if you would just listen, things would go better for you? That goes for in your own household, that goes for your nation. And we're not talking about nation as in a country necessarily, but a nation as a people. And sometimes we think of Israel as being a nation gathered around a religion. Was that really it? Or 
was it gathered around being a nation? Steve Seifkin, thank you for joining us again. Last week you hammered that home where Israel was a nation and the Bible and the sacrificial system and the temple system was all you know, based around keeping a nation together, not really to establish a, you know, a religious system, although that also was a function of it. Uh, and so now we're finding that this is permeating our entire lives, not just our faith, but uh, how we live. Yes, ab absolutely. It, it's interesting when you study ancient temples, they were just the governing body of their nation. Hmm. And they governed and regulated not much different than what we do today. It looks different today because we're much more advanced. Right. But uh, it's pretty much the same thing. And it wasn't just the Jerusalem temple, but all the temples of the ancient Near East kind of worked the same. The difference was whose law are you practicing? Right. And That's would, the major difference. And like a parent, if we would just listen, <laughs> things would go better for us. I like the way you put that. That was a great intro to this. If we would just listen to Yehovah, he tells us how to do it. He tells, his law said it's for your good always. Now that wasn't just for Israel though, right? I mean, you mentioned last week that if we did this as a society in America, things would go better for us. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I went through all the commandments in a study several years ago and you could compare what America started with to what we're doing now. And it, we were in the 70% is what I guessed. Hmm. We're now down 30. <laughs> I mean, if you, it was a rough guess, but we're clearly doing less now. And look what's happening. You know, we became the richest, most powerful nation just from 13 colonies in like 200 years. And we've started leaving God's law, and now look where we're at. Mm -hmm. it, it, we're not the same. We're not, we're, we're not feared like people used to fear America. And that's why. It's, you know, God's not... I don't want to say he's not behind us anymore, but hey, if we're not going to listen to what he says, how can we expect his blessings? Yeah, we have stepped out of the realm. We've stepped out from under his umbrella, and we've made trouble for ourselves. Yes. And he just said, how about it? Yeah. See how it goes. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Well, I would like to share just the four purposes of the tabernacle, which later became the temple, and just a practical reason why God said to do it. Instead of a religious reason, and again, I'm not discounting that, but the majority of the reasons God gave us to do these things was for our good always. There's a purpose behind it, and it benefits us. So I've, I've studied and came up with four different purposes. There's really kind of five, but everyone knows that. It's to teach the law of God. That's the fifth one. There's no secret behind that. Um, I, I think that uh, everyone watching A Rude Awakening would realize that already. So I want to focus on four that um, just kind of get overlooked sometimes. Okay. Um, the first one, it was a judicial system. That one's not so overlooked, but we miss the purpose behind that system. The sin offering and trespass offering is what operated that system. The second, it's a hospital. That's what I want to talk about today. The cleansing offering, which is a type of sin and trespass offering, is how that one fits into the sacrificial system. I'm not going to focus so much on the offering, but on the hospital part, because we'll cover the offerings in the judicial system part. Uh, it was for food regulation. That's the peace offering and the grain offering. We may get to that, depending on how fast we move. <laughs> and um, it was a bank. Huh. It was a bank. That was the burnt offering. And that's overlooked a lot today, and we try to find pictures of the Messiah, which it's not wrong. He's absolutely a picture, but uh, we're missing some of the key points, and I would like to 
you know, enhance that picture by going through this. So today I want to look at the hospital and maybe the food regulation and see, see what that is. Okay, very good. All right, so there's five offerings. This is probably the most important thing. There's the burn offering, the meat or meal offering, that's basically the grain offering, peace offering, sin offering, and trespass offering. Everyone lumps them together like they're all the same thing and the same purpose, and they're not. Uh, if you break them down, the meat, the grain offering, and the peace offering were voluntary. No one's going to make you do that. You could choose to do that if you wanted to, or if your occupation was that, you would do it. The sin and trespass offering are compulsory. Someone is going to make you do that. When you owe it, you got to pay it. It's not an option. The burnt offering can kind of be both. It's a different kind of compulsory. You had to do it for certain situations, but you didn't always have to do it. Some people would do it voluntarily. Sometimes you had to do it if you wanted to accomplish a, a certain thing. Okay, so, so let me stop you there. So the burnt offering can be both. Was it both like uh, at the same time or was sometimes voluntary, sometimes not? It depends on why you were doing it. Okay. Certain situations, God said, you better do a burnt offering during this time. You know, they did burn offerings daily. You know, sometimes it would it would be just for different purposes, for different types of sins you were required to do. It was a contract ratification. So uh, if you breached the contract, you had to renew it. Mm, so okay. in, in those situations, but if you and I were just going to make a contract, sell something or I'm buying your house or something, you would do a burn offering for that. Mm. That's voluntary. We don't have to buy a house. We don't have to sell a house. It's voluntary. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So right. that it, it's kind of both. It's hard to describe that. But there's another comparison also, and this is overlooked often. The sin offering and trespass offering are for atonement, and so is the burnt offering. Mm. But it's a different kind of atonement. It's not the same, and we'll see that as we go through the offerings in more detail. But those are the only ones for atonement. But they're different types of atonement. It's not the same thing. The meal and peace offering is not for atonement. And sometimes, just like you said earlier, we lump them all together like they're all for atonement, and they're not. Nowhere in the Bible will you see the grain offering, meal or peace offering, or any of those for atonement. Hmm. And I think this is the most important thing to understand. So try to hang on to this kind of thinking as we go through them, because it'll help identify why we're doing them. And it, it, it's probably the most important thing. So what I want to go through is the hospital part. Tabernacle was a hospital. The sick were brought to the tabernacle, which later became the temple, to be seen by the priest. So all the priests would see the sick. If you were sick, you'd go to the priest, you know, the Messiah healed someone and sent them to the priest right. in the New Testament. So it, it wasn't something they weren't doing even by his day. They were still doing that. And our Messiah kind of endorsed it by saying, oh, you're healed. Hey, go give the offering Moses said to give and go show yourself to the priest. How many people missed that? <laughs> give the offering. It wasn't a little sum of money. It was an offering. It was an offering, yes. It was, it was, it was it, which is basically a payment. Mm -hmm. But the priest would declare them clean. They would declare them not sick and able to join society. The, the hospital, they were like the Center for Disease Control today. <laughs> yeah, That's what they were, they were the CDC. But God told us how to do it and how to run it correctly. Uh, if declared sick by the priest, the man or woman shall declare their sickness to others. I like that one, we should let people know. You know, if you're around, it doesn't say you can't be around them, but if you're in society, you should say, hey, I'm not feeling well, so that what if you have an important engagement you don't want to be sick for? 
Now, right. the specific, he's talking about uh, a f more serious illness, not just common cold type of a thing, but even the common cold. If I'm around people, I'd like to know if, if someone's sick, say, hey, I'm, I'm not feeling well, so that, hey, I'm, I've got a business something or other, I'm presenting something. Mm -hmm. This actually happened for me. My whole family was homesick. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm like, stay away from me. Right. Didn't want to get sick for this taping. And, and that all backs up to, like you mentioned uh, in the first episode, that all the commandments back up to love. Love God or you love your neighbor. You are loving your neighbor by letting them know, hey, I'm ill. I don't want you to be ill. Right? Absolutely. It's just loving God and loving your neighbors. The way to love your neighbors is to keep God's commandments with them. That's all that means. We think... You know, spiritualizing this, we would say, all I have to do is love everybody now, and I'm keeping all the commandments. That's not what the Messiah meant. He's saying if you're keeping the commandments, you are loving them. That's mm. why everything hangs on those two. That's good. It doesn't mean you don't keep them. It means if you want to love them, keep them. And that's very important. Thou shalt that's, not steal. Yeah. You're loving your neighbor when you don't steal their car. Right? It's just common sense, and this just makes sense. It's how to observe, how to love is yes. the commandments. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. If declared sick by the priest, the man or woman could be quarantined. I mean, we went through that kind yeah. of recently, but if but we did sick, it, But we did it backwards. Yes, we did do it backwards. See, we should listen to what God told us. Mm -hmm. If we're sick, the sick should be quarantined. Right. And that kind of makes sense. I'm I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. In fact, it, it even says to cover your upper lip, mm -hmm. and I think it's Leviticus 14. So I'm not even opposed to putting a mask on when I'm sick. Right. It makes sense to help someone not catch whatever you have. I mean, it's just common courtesy is the way I'd put it. Um, the sick were to seek natural remedies such as herbs and oils. And this is kind of your domain, to be honest. <laughs> when you really think about it, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself a health expert. That's, mm -hmm. that's your category, but... In the temple, this is obvious. You know, there's some verses I put up here. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, let them take a lump of figs and the, he shall recover. And the, even in the New Testament, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. Mm -hmm. You know, these oils are a way to heal. There's and that concept, even in Revelation, where the, the leaves of the trees shall be healing for the nations. Yes. Is it? Is it physical, is it spiritual, or both? It's both. It, it's but, probably both. But it but, takes it from this concept. Yes, I think it's actually to heal. We, we make uh, these oils from plants, basically. Right. It's the circulating juices of plants. I think it's Ezekiel that says the leaf thereof is for medicine. Or maybe it is the Revelation one, mm -hmm. I can't remember. But that, that's what this is. It's a hospital. It's the Center for Disease Control. And they're regulating how we take care of sick people and how we deal with that in society. Because you don't, I mean, we just went through a big pandemic. You don't want that to happen. How can we keep that from happening? The Bible would support more of a therapeutic type of a meth method. Mm -hmm. And um, that's one way we could steer America back in the right direction. And I'm sure you have a lot of oh, opinions yeah. on well, that. Well, even, you know, even some things in this country that, you know, uh, things that come from the ground, plants that grow up that, that are illegal in certain areas could be very useful for ailments. I mean, just take, uh, you know, cannabis, for example. Yes. How useful is that for someone with cancer? Right? Not to be used as a recreational drug to abuse, but to use it for the sick. 
It works wonders. And for many other ailments as well. And who knows how many other herbs out there that we're not making use of. Uh, I know when I lived in Canada, the, there was a saying among the uh, Native, American, uh, Native Canadian people that wherever they went, because they were a nomadic people, wherever they went, they believed that the, the creator or God, you know, <laughs> would provide everything they needed within walking distance. For that time and period during the year, wherever they were, everything was there. Why? Because they made use of what grew from the ground, just like the Israelites are being told yes. to do. Oh, very much so. In fact, the Israelites were nomadic when this commandment right. was given. And uh, here's something that confuses us a lot. We see words like unclean. It's the Hebrew word tame. In, in Greek, it's ekatharsos. I'm going to pronounce it wrong. I'm terrible at that. Sorry. <laughs> but it basically means foul, polluted, unclean. Mm. The closest term we might have for that is to be sick. So they're dealing with the unclean, the sick, the people who aren't clean inside. And that's how they're a hospital. That's how they're the CDC. In fact, Leviticus 14, this is the law for all manner of plague of leprosy. Now, the word leprosy gets kind of, we, we call a certain disease leprosy. It kind of meant all diseases back then. It was a serious ailment. It didn't just mean one like we treat it today. Uh, leprosy and skull. And for the leprosy of a garment, you could have leprosy in a garment. So something that's contaminated mm -hmm. in a garment. And of a house a mold, so it's not all the same thing. We use that term wrong today. And for a rising and for a scab and for a bright spot, to teach when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law of leprosy. Mm. The Levites' job were to diagnose disease. They were the physicians, they were the hospital. That's their whole purpose. You come in as you're sick, they're they were trained somehow mm -hmm. to, hey, this is what's going on, this is what you should do. I don't know that they actually did it. They might have. I can't find scriptural support to say the Levites actually, but they probably did. But they at least diagnosed it and helped them heal. Yep. And it, it's very different than what we do today. We try to mask a symptom today with some sort of a drug where they're, let, let's fix the problem. Yep. And I think, you know. There was an example, uh, just last night, I was counseling a woman online. I do some Zoom counseling and there, that situation came up uh, in the term of leprosy, as you mentioned it. Uh, she had these boils that she thought were hives that were coming up all over her. Long story short, it wasn't hives, it was scabies. Well, where did she get them from? In that same Bible verse, it mentions if, if the disease is in the wool. Well, she had just recently got some <laughs> material that, had been, that was secondhand material, uh, like material as in clothing, from India, hmm. where they had a very bad scabies problem. Wow. And there was one that she noticed that was really dirty, and she, so she washed it. But guess where she first got the scabies? In her hands, from washing that yeah. garment. The, the disease was literally in the <laughs> garment, just like it just says like in the, the Bible. Bible. Exactly yes. like that. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Well, this was very common. All the, all the temples functioned the same way. And I've got a few quotes. Uh, I, wasn't, I can't even read it from here, who the, the citation's from. But if you look at the er, this, this citation says, the earliest institutional care of patients had its inception in the ancient Egyptian and Greek temples. Hmm. All the temples did the same thing. So Jehovah's temple is the model that's correct. And to be honest, Israel didn't always do it correct. But he gave us a good model. And uh, the other temples, the other nations were supposed to follow that model. Today, we're supposed to follow that model. We still have hospitals today. We still deal with the sick. Why would all that be done away with? Mm, good point. Was, was God wrong? 
Are we better than what God said now? No, we may be more advanced in some ways, and that's okay. And that's that's that fine line of trying to find the spirit of the law. What is God's intent, and what is his purpose? Mm. The question to ask is why. Why did God say to do this? There's other quotes. In ancient Greece, the temples dedicated to the healer god, Asclepius. You know, I know this is not, this is more of a, non-Israelite temple, but they functioned as centers for medical advice, prognosis, and healing. They find, as they unearth these temples, case histories, complaints, and cures of about 70 patients who came to the temple with a problem. Hmm. They were diagnosing the disease and they were dealing with the problem. That's what the temples did. We, we only think religion for some reason. Right. But I think by the time we're done going over this, we'll see it was like 90% practical advice. Very little religion. Very little mm. religion. I mean, we might even be able to go 100% practical. But, um, you know, the difference is whose God are you following? Which God is the law that you're following? Mm. That's, that's the religious part. Are we worshiping? The word worship means to bow down in obedience. Are we worshiping Yehovah or someone else? Interesting, yep. That's how you know. And the practical point of it too, now that you sort of mentioned, uh, you know, like the, the, the labor outside, where you would wash the hands. And then inside the temple, we have a place called the Holy of Holies. Well, holy means to be pure and clean and all this type of thing, to, to be restored. I mean, isn't that what a hospital does, right? Yes. Or is supposed to do. It's supposed to restore you when you are sick. You come in, you're damaged, you're, you're hurt in some way or not quite there. You go to that place, uh, but you're right, the temple is serving exactly like a hospital. Yeah, and it, it's kind of more of a government position, but a righteous government. That's what we want to be. We want to be a righteous government, mm. one that does it the way God said. So here's some of the answers that we might come to. The Levites, they were called apothecaries. That means they compounded and made ointment. Yep. So they made some sort of a balm or an oil to deal with the sick. Yep. That's that, what they were doing. That, that word is still used today in my world. Yes, yeah. is, I'm sure you, that's what I was saying. Yeah. If you want to take over this presentation, <laughs> feel free to do that. Because this, this is not really my domain. But You're the guy with the PowerPoint. I'm talking yeah. about the, the temple. <laughs> but Leviticus 13 through 14, we've already talked about it. It kind of mentions that. It, it goes through various examples. You know, the question that hits my mind, are those the only examples? Mm. Of, often God will give us an example so we can see, oh, this is how we should handle it. Mm. But there's more to it. Well, hold on to that thought. We're going to come back in just a second. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Thank you for bringing Stephen here. Why do I say that? Because your donations made it happen. You will allow others to see this into the future with another donation. We're going to ask you that you would do that uh, right now. So thank you very much in advance, and we'll be right back. Thank you for your support of Shabbat Night Live. It's because of your support we can teach others about the word apothecaries. <laughs> so Steve, we were talking about how apothecaries are people who uh, compound ointments for healing. And that was all a function of the uh, tabernacle and the temple. Yes, the Levites, that was one of their job descriptions. They were apothecaries. And Leviticus 13 through 14 kind of just gives us a, a glimpse of what they would do. And um, I'd like to kind of share that a little bit. They... They were told to anoint the upper ear, anoint the right thumb, and anoint the right big toe. And they were told to use cedar wood and hyssop. And uh, if you look at some of the, you know, some of the benefits to those two oils, I listed some. You can go online and find lots of different people sharing this. But, you know, they promote, cedar wood promotes relaxation, emotional balance, and improves focus and wisdom. 
And hyssop, it's an antiviral. It helps with uh, muscle spasms and digestion and anti-inflammatory and antimicrobial. All these oils have something beneficial health-wise. Hmm. And you know, the way I like to put it is a lot of times in the Bible, God gives us just part of the answer. And it's not that God's doing it that way, but we're so far removed from that culture, he only needed to tell them that. Mm. He only needed to tell them 10% where we're so far removed, we need 100%, but it's not in the scripture. It's just not there. But if you if you do your study, you know, the Bible says, study to show yourself approved. Well, you find out this this looks a lot like reflexology. Mm, yeah. You've probably heard of that with your background. Yeah. But that's basically a type of massage that involves applying different amounts of pressure to the feet, hands, and ears. It's based on a theory that these body parts are connected to certain organs and body systems. Yeah. <clears throat> and if you go online, you can see different Pressure points, I guess you should mm -hmm. say. I don't know how you would describe it, but along the ear and along the hands and along your feet. And, you know, uh, reflexology doesn't always use oils with that, but the Bible seems to kind of promote using oils to heal. And there's kind of a growing movement today of people discovering some of these ancient methods using essential oils and reflexology. And you, my wife and I have probably four or five different books just explaining how this works. Hmm. And some of them have a great little index. And, you know, they work. Yeah, they, they really do. It, it's not a miracle thing, but it, it works. We host gatherings of like 50 or 60 people for new moons and uh, Lord's Supper, Passover, all sorts of different things. We live on a ranch. We have four cats, four dogs. Both of them come inside, the cats live inside. Sometimes we have baby goats, sometimes we have baby chicks inside. And we've had probably three or four people say, you have all those animals in the house? I'm like deathly allergic to them, why am I not? And I just point, we have three diffusers uh. distilling these or whatever, that diffusing these oils and we put a blend in there. Don't ask me for the name of the blend, my wife deals with all that, but <laughs> it's a blend of oils that helps with allergies. Oh, okay. And we've had three people say, I never even notice it. I should be like having all sorts of problems. And it, it just helps you with different aspects in your life. I would never say they do miracles because it's not a miracle thing. It's a, they're just gonna help you heal, gonna give you the, your body the ability to overcome what it needs to overcome. I mean, I'm sure you deal with that all the time. I oh, hope yeah. you use essential oils, but you're, that's exactly what you're doing is helping people with their body to overcome an ailment or just live healthy. Well, I'm looking at hyssop and noticing it's the same uh, properties as uh, coconut oil in a lot oh. of respects. <laughs> same same type of thing. Yes. Antiviral, antibacterial, all that good kind of thing. Uh, and when I worked with a, a chiropractor, I was doing uh, nutritional counseling for him. And he explained to me that you know every vertebrae, very much like reflexology, in the back, every vertebrae is like a circuit breaker to a different part of your body. So, and, and same thing with the teeth, you know, right? It's, so the teeth, the back, every part of our body is a connection to, to another, and it's just uh, a testament to how Yehovah made us and gives us reasons for what we read in the Bible, is what we're supposed to do. Yes, I, I was thrilled to find this, you know, the upper ear and all these things, and I just think, wow, that's just amazing. This seems like the way we should be doing it. And just being able to experience it, my wife and I have been doing it for probably 10 years, and we're amateurs, but we're learning and discovering different things. Uh, my dad lives with us right now. He lives in his RV on our property, and he's starting to use them. He just had my wife order a book to learn them also, and it's just neat to see, wow, this is the way God told hmm. his hospital to work. And uh, gosh, I think we'd benefit if we went that direction. 
Do I think that's the only way we could heal? No, this is just an example. Something to promote your body to heal itself right. is really what I think is um, kind of God's plan for our health. And uh, there's a few things, you know, the upper ear, it helps with allergies, blood pressure, um, different things like that. The right thumb, brain, your pituitary. I found it interesting, one of my favorite books, they said cedarwood on your right thumb mm -hmm. opens your mind for thinking. Oh, so okay. every time I study the scriptures, I put a few drops and I just rub it into my right thumb and try to help me just, okay, let me consider these things and let me see. I don't think there's any way to know if it's working. I have no <laughs> idea, but I thought that's interesting that this uh, writer suggested that. So yeah. I thought I'd try it. Um, it seems to promote stability and balance in the body, clears addictions, compulsive behaviors, bad habits, all the things that the sin, basically, bad habits. I mean, it, it, if, if it clears your mind to think straight, that's, that's really what God wants us to do. Right. To get back on track with, with his way. And um, that's something that's unique about essential oils, I think. The incense came from the altar of incense. Mm. Think about how that would work. The, um, the altar of incense, it, it says, it's the Hebrew word katorath. I'm probably saying that wrong. I always do. But it would take these four, you know, uh, incenses, or I don't know what you'd call them, but they're mm -hmm. basically the, the, the oleo the gum, I think. Yeah. from the, It's what essential oils are made of. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it was Stacte, Onitsha, Galbanum, and Frankincense. That's at least what the um, King James says. And... Um, it, it's, there's all sorts of benefits to these, anti-infection, antibacterial, um, antimicrobial, um, frankincense uh, is for stomach ailments, immune enhancement. Now think about the tabernacle just being perfumed with this. Every time the priests go in there, if they're dealing with the sick, mm. immediately they're getting a shot of immune enhancement. And isn't that kind of the way you'd want your physicians, doctors to be? I mean, if you're dealing with the sick every day, how's that going to affect your lifespan? Right. I mean, that it, I think God's just designing this for his hospital for that very purpose. Yeah, that's brilliant. And, yeah. and you know, the very fact that that particular uh, incense was not to be copied by anyone, right? It's because this is the place you're supposed to yes. come to be healed. That was an example I was just going to share about the oh, okay, spirit okay. of the law. You jumped right ahead of me, but that's good. <laughs> We're on the same page. Um, God commanded, you can't use this anywhere but the tabernacle. Hmm. It's only for the priesthood. Well, if, the, if they were a, a hospital, why couldn't we use it in our hospitals? Right. I think the spirit of the law allows that. I think, especially with our ducted systems we have, just spread that everywhere. When you go to the hospital, the, the, the physicians are already healthier because that's what they're breathing. Mm. Every day they're dealing with you. And then as a patient, you come in, you immediately get it too. It, it's just good wisdom, I think. I don't know why we don't consider things like that. You know, a little bit of a different example of that is my wife and I went to a resort in Mexico where they had the same music playing everywhere in, in the resort. Everywhere you went, there was little speakers everywhere. And in all the hallways, they had diffusers with the same uh, scent or the same, same essential oils on, for the same day. And then the next day, they would put something different in. And it was just sort of a... a I know, it's a cal I know it's supposed to be a calming, relaxing place, yeah. and I'm sure that's why they did it, but they employed that same type of, uh, same wisdom. No, I, I, think it's, I think it's good wisdom. I think it's what God wants us to do, and it would be neat to see our medical industry steer back that direction 
we're more interested in kind of masking a symptom and fixing that instead of addressing the real problem. Yeah. And where these seem to address the real problem, you know, and, and solve the problem, and then everything's better. Mm. And I, I think that's really the direction we should go. But we already talked about that, so I'll move on from there. Um, the the <clears throat> excuse me, the Levitical priesthood uh, dealt with oils. Mm. They dealt mm-hmm. at the altar of incense, and even the golden lampstand had pure olive oil. Olive oil is used for heart disease, blood pressure, diabetes, arthritis, yep. all sorts of things. I mean, it's actually a carrier oil for the essential oils. So when you're <clears throat> applying essential oils, you'd mix it in something like an olive oil to kind of dilute it. But these uh, um, carrier oils actually enhance in different ways the essential oil. Yep. So the combination of them together is even more beneficial. And I find it ironic that they're in the same holy place being fumigated or perfumed yep. in that same building. I think there's something to that. Yeah, it's a synergistic effect, where yeah. one plus one equals three, right? It's, it's even more effective. Yeah. In the New Testament, this is really where I wanted to get to that just blew my mind. You know, they talk about anointing the sick with oil throughout the New Testament and the laying on of hands. Mm. And I was fascinated to try and figure out what the laying on of hands was because there's different words used and it, it just... It just blew me away. But um, there's a few words to look at. Anoint is the Hebrew word to rub with oil. So it's, it's, it's rubbing, it's doing something, not just pouring oil, but it means to rub with oil. Then there's two different words for laying on of hands. One is epithesis. That would be just the laying on of hands, kind of like what we do today. You'll put your hand on their shoulder and pray for them. Mm-hmm. It's not much more than that. They would do it to impart a spiritual gift or send them on their way or something. But the other one, epithemi, epi, I can't pronounce it, I'm sorry. Epithemi? <laughs> yeah, it's a different Greek word for laying on of hands. It means to impose in a friendly or hostile sense. Hmm. It's an aggressive movement. That word's used to grab hold of someone when you're arresting them. Mm-hmm. And it's also used when Jesus healed somebody. Hmm. I just find that fascinating. Could our Messiah have been doing like massage therapy or a chiropractic adjustment? <laughs> Interesting. Watch yeah. this. Look at it. When you go through these verses, it's totally plausible. Hmm. It, the scripture doesn't directly say it, but the Greek word used most of the time for our Messiah healing is therapeo. Sounds like therapy. It is therapy. That's where mm-hmm. the word comes from. It means to wait upon menially, to relieve of disease. The Complete Word Study Dictionary says it's the physician's watchful attendance of the sick. It requires time. Hmm. So all the time we see, oh, here's some more. In the Septuagint, all these times they're using them. Every use of this word, it requires time. It's, it's a service. It, it's not uh, something you do miraculously. It's attending to somebody. And I find it just awesome that our Messiah did that. So every time it says healing and it's therapeo, it means a physician attending to the sick. And you'll see it in a specific verse, healing, therapeo, over and over again, 35 times, that's what it is. But there's another word, eomai, 28 times, that just means to cure. And I stumbled across this verse with the centurion that came over to to the Messiah and said, Mm -hmm. hey, my servant needs to be healed, will you heal him? And the Messiah says, okay, I'll come. It says, I will come and I will therapeo him. Hmm. I will heal him. I'm going to go attend to him. Then the centurion said, no, 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 no. I know who you are. I'm in control. 
of several people and they do what I say. All you gotta do is speak the word. And what did he do? He said, okay, just as you said. And he was healed that same hour. Mm. And that word's eomai. Oh, a different word. It's two different words, but we translate them heal. Mm. Well, think about what that's implying. Our Messiah said, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna work with him as a physician. Anoint him with oil, massage him with oil. Uh, you can find probably a dozen different ways you could use your hands on somebody in, right. in a physical way to help heal them, a chiropractic adjustment. And this guy mm. said, no, 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 no. All you gotta do is speak the word. And so he did just speak the word. Mm. So I think some of the times our Messiah was actually going to heal them like a physician would. And it's not discrediting the miraculous. He clearly did that several times. But I, I just find it really emphasizing his humanity when he is dealing with the sick in this manner. I mean, it's the way you probably do this on a regular yeah. basis, don't you? I mean, I would, well, I would and when, when Yeshua, so. you know, we find several places in the Gospels where after healing people all day, you, know, you think if he just went, oh, you're healed, you're healed, yeah. you're healed. That wouldn't take much effort, but he was wiped out. I'm he had to go and rest. He had to get away from the people, had to go you know, visit his father up on a mountainside, whatever. He had to get away from the people because he was getting wiped out. So he had to have been doing something to make himself tired like that. Yeah, that is such you know? a good point. I, I didn't even, that didn't even dawn on me, so I'm mm. glad you said that because mm. I never even connected the, the concept that he was probably exhausted because he was actually doing something. Why is it to just snap your fingers and say be healed, is that exhausting? Right. I don't know, probably, I don't know, maybe it is. I don't and know. it could be, I mean, as you know, when, <laughs> but, the, when the woman with the issue of blood reached out and he felt the power go yeah. out of him, well, I suppose that could, might be physically yeah, exhausting too, but. But no, I, I think he was out there physically healing people like a physician. He's known as the great physician. He's mm. the one that yeah, true. was working with the sick and dealing with them. And I think he used oils and he used massage techniques, a, a lost art for us today because we don't know anything about it. Yep. But uh, he was perfect at it. <laughs> he was, was probably just amazing. It would have been so awesome to see how, how he mm -hmm. worked. And then when it was needed, a miracle, you know, just showing who he really was. And this, understanding it this way, just, it just makes me super thrilled to see who, the type of person that he was when walking on this earth. Mm. So there's a couple of different, I wanted to just show you, there's um, uh, 15 different essential oils in the Bible and two different essential oil blends. So oh, when you start wow. getting into this stuff, you actually start to find it in the scripture. Now there's way more than 15 oils out there. You can find hundreds of them. Mm -hmm. But um, the fact that there's two blends where God kind of showed us, put these oils together, doesn't exactly tell you what they do, but you can get an idea when you start to work with them because some of these essential oil companies, they they give you blends and they'll sell you, this is a blend that benefits you this way because each of the oil you know, kind of works with each other and yep. they don't work against each other. Drugs, they kind of work against each other often. You don't have that problem with essential oils. True, yeah, you, you, absolutely you true. You can mix and match and not have to worry. Yep. But with drugs, you better, oh, let's go check that with the pharmacist and make sure yep. we don't combine these two because they can actually cause a lot of harm. Now, there are, there are some that are so powerful on that note, like wintergreen, for example, that are so powerful you only have to use a little bit because it acts as a drug. I mean, yes. even back then, they did have drugs, but it was in the form of an essential oil yeah. or an herb. 
No, that's true. That's a yeah. very good point. I don't want to mislead people. And like I said, I'm an amateur. <laughs> I would suggest people get a good book and study yeah. if they're interested in doing this and, and learn the ins and outs. That's what I'm doing right now. And I'm just sharing this because I connected it to the tabernacle. And that's really my passion. But, um, you know, this stuff... It's something that I think God would steer us towards. Absolutely. And it's something that'll help our bodies work better. And, you know, I'm, I'm game. I want to do it. I want to learn. And maybe others do, too. Yeah. But uh, uh, the last slide maybe for this show, we have five senses, right? Yes. This is still on the essential oils, touch, taste, sight, and sound. These directly connect to your cerebral cortex. But what's unique about essential oils, smell directly connects to your limbic system. Hmm. And this is why essential oils can affect your emotions. Huh. But all through the Bible, there's the oil of joy. Maybe it wasn't hmm. just a cute saying. Maybe it was really an oil that helps you revive yeah. your spirit. It's an, an actual know. recipe for yes. an oil of joy. The yeah. oil of gladness to perfume and rejoice the heart. Hmm. There's all sorts of things these are these use and uh, these uh, can help you with, and it's because you, essential oils go through your your sinuses and through your body that way. You hmm. can use them in so many different senses, but um, from my understanding, and I'm not a scientist, but there's a couple of books I read. They actually pass the blood-brain barrier, which is unique, mm -hmm. and that can really affect your mind. Yep. That, that's very beneficial. So using them in certain conditions with your mind, I think would be, and, and again, I'm an amateur. I'm not trying to give health advice to anybody. That's probably your domain. So correct me where I'm oh, wrong, Oh, no, it's please. absolutely right. In fact, that's probably why they, you know, we know that scent is the most powerful sense for uh, recalling a memory. Oh, wow. You smell, you know, chocolate chip cookies. Oh, that's my mom's recipe when I was five years old. You know, but that would make sense, right? It, it yeah. brings about no, it that, me that emotion which triggers your memory. That's good. I didn't yeah. know that. See, that, I'm glad you're confirming my research was right. Yeah, Because <laughs> this is. is me just reading stuff in books, not... This, well, well, the books are right. my passion, so this is, it's good to know. But it's neat to see that the Bible has all these methods oh, yeah. for us to heal and to make ourselves better and yep. improve ourselves. And when we're in this situation, hey, there's a remedy for that. Well, we have some homework for folks before next week. You need to go online and look for the oil of joy <laughs> <laughs> recipe and make one because, you know, you're bringing that, that fact out. Maybe that is an actual thing, the oil of joy for mourning, you know, as we see in the Bible. So anyway, fascinating stuff here, learning all about the temple and the tabernacle with Steve Siefkin. I hope you join us again next week. Until then, Shavua Tov. Have a good week. Shabbat Shalom.